Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast, mailbag edition. I'm joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand from TCO Performance Center in Egan. Thank you for waving, Michael. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. kind of like a salute wave. It was a salute. It was, a, it was like a, you go first at the stop sign wave. Salute to serve. Yeah, Minnesota four-way stop. All right, um, let's get into it. Tony wants to know, as of right now, what are the uh, what's the biggest non-quarterback need that you guys see on the roster? It is not the offseason, but we can always talk personnel yeah. decisions here on the Access Vikings podcast. If the Vikings are looking at this roster through 11 games, what do you guys think is the biggest non-quarterback need? Love one more really good pass rusher. Like just some, just a, an injection of talent on the defensive line. I know Wanham has played better this year. Hunter has definitely had a good year, but I just feel like they haven't invested there, and it shows in big moments. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think it's not a high pick, but a running back I think I would look into a little bit just to have another option at that spot. I mean, if Ty Chandler turns into that, great. But I think in addition that maybe a fourth or fifth round pick, that just somebody that can add a little more ability, a little more game-breaking ability to that group while – running in a way that they find to be efficient i think that's probably worth an investment i I think the defensive line or i mean just a pass rusher in general is probably a big need because it's going to cost a lot of money to bring daniel hunter back here so i mean that that certainly goes into it as well yeah some cost control on a pass rusher might be nice yep Yep. (laughs) not have to cost control on something yeah that's true maybe a new kicker too need a kicker yeah their special teams are bad just blankets yes, special teams bad. are bad just look at any like advanced metrics they're like offense is pretty good defense is pretty good special teams one of the worst five in the league they, they, need to, they need to get better there they've got incredibly young people on their uh on all of them really but um punt coverage yeah they haven't really been great there kickoff coverage when they do allow a return here or there it hasn't been great um and yeah they haven't made any really game-changing plays i suppose in the return game themselves um i kick her though yeah yeah joseph's is not that good he's okay He's fine. He's he's a little bit below average, I think. They like should he, draft a fifth rounder, kick oh him, cut him after one week. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I pass rushers. Brother are, can't kick at Lambeau Field either. <laughs> I saw, saw that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> pass rusher's a good one. I uh, yeah, one more. I think when you said one more, I think you going to say corner. Just one and more. And I wasn't going to disagree with that either. No, yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, they yeah have, I, always. I feel like they're they're set with signing Josh Metellus to an extension. Cam Bynum to me. Why why would you take him out uh, at safety? Harrison Smith might be gone, so maybe Metellus's role changes into more of that full-time guy on the back end or maybe they bring maybe it lewis scene maybe eventually i don't know maybe yeah, we're all Leo jackson we're all grimacing here, right? <laughs> yeah. well, i mean all, i'm not saying he's bad it's just we don't know we're like, like he's, he hasn't been out there they don't they won't even put him out there for specialty that's true i you i wonder at what point i there's i mean there's so many permutations that could happen with Can that you use the b word Bust. No, I wasn't going to say that. I mean, I was going to say at what point does somebody say he needs to play? Oh. That yeah. there's sort of a decision that's made above um, coordinator level on that. And my other thing of the permutations there is if Brian Flores gets a head coaching job, mm. you know, what does this look like next year? I would think they'd want to stick with something resembling this scheme, but who else does this? I mean, it, it's it's not like there's a I mean, Josh Boyer, I think, in uh, in um, Miami, I mean, certainly has adopted some of this, but a lot of this seems to be 
Flores specific. I mean, maybe if Durante Jones takes over, you, you run something similar to that. I, I would think they'd want to keep with something like this. But yeah. um, if it's not him and Brandon Staley gets fired, do you go back to an old thing? I, I, I don't know. There, that's several steps down the road. But, um, yeah, I, I wonder at some point with seeing if somebody's going to say he needs to play or if Flores is – not here and I, I my sense is those two are on good terms but I, Flores also just has other guys that he wants to use more at the moment so lots could change there Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope the anticipation that incomparable feeling of winning Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Can we not talk about a world without Brian Flores? I don't really want to think about the Vikings <laughs> without Brian Flores because they'd be like 4-7 and seven right now. Yeah, him. I think you're right. Man, what, that's a good question. What would their record be? I mean, it's you have no idea of knowing, but like, what if Ed Don... What if, what if O'Connell just been like... The hell with you guys. Donatel's coming back for a second year. I don't care what you guys think. Yeah. Because he had told me this offseason yeah. that Flores was on yes. his list the year before, Correct. and he said there were some things going on that might or might not have contributed to my ability to bring him in in year one. You go back and read the quote exactly. I don't know 100% what he meant there. I don't think it's that hard to read between the lines. No. Uh, if he had said, you know what? That that would have been a hard thing to do. Yeah. I, not saying it would have been the wrong thing to do, right? but first-year coach bringing in Flores uh, when that lawsuit had just hit, Yeah, um, I wonder if that would have been a tough one to say, I, I want to do this in year one. I, but if he's here, I mean, what would that have looked like last year? That would have been interesting. They were still 13-4. and four. They overachieved. I, what if Donatello was still here this year? Like, would, They wouldn't be... They'd be four and seven, probably. If Flores were here last year. Daniel Jones isn't a $40 million quarterback. That's probably I, true. They may win that playoff game. Yeah, I think they win that playoff game. Neil says, a couple weeks ago, before Josh Dobbs, before Bob Dobbs, I asked the podcast if the Vikings were well coached. Uh, he says, I think they've answered that one. Pre-BD. Um, he says, this podcast has often lamented the lack of Viking depth in recent seasons, but with guys like... Powell, Chandler, uh, he brings up David Questenberry gets a mention, uh, Jaron Hall, Troy Dye, all playing solid roles at times. Do you guys think this is because of the, uh, A, early sign of Kwesi picking up some good lower-end talent, or B, coaches scheming up better, or C, there's less high-end talent, so we're not noticing the drop-off? He said it could obviously be an int- or a combination of all three, but wanted to get our thoughts on the depth. Boy, mm. That's a, uh, it's a, it's a lot there. Lots it is. Of, lots to unpack. That must have been an email. It is. It was. Yes, it was. Yeah, or paid for Twitter. Uh, I think the front office has done a better job bringing in journeymen and guys to help. I mean, when we think of everybody from Brandon Powell to Harrison Phillips to Jordan Hicks to Bob Dobbs, as we've talked about, yeah. um, they have found ways to kind of patch this roster together and be competitive in ways that it, when we're sitting here in August, I certainly didn't see coming. Um, what did you think when he lays out all the different choose your own paths of how they've gotten here? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a little bit of all of those things. I think especially defensively, they've done a good job of finding kind of people that can contribute in spots. Um, and some of that may be 
Brian Flores having a little bit of a scouting background and saying I can point out exactly what I want here um, and probably coaching development too, but all of it goes into it. I mean, you look at Jonathan Bullard in in a few moments. I think Kyrus Tonga, they've probably gotten more out of him than, than maybe you would have thought. Ivan Pace certainly is a big example of that. Uh, Josh Metellus is a big example of that. I think, you know, a guy that they pick in the back half of the draft and mostly had been a special teams contributor to this point, and now he's an every-down player. So I think a lot of it has been finding roles and developing players. I mean, maybe that's the other thing, too, on defense is that they use so many more players than they used to, whether it was Zimmer or Donatel. It was basically the same, what, 12 guys? I mean, there was like a, a third corner involved typically because it'd be a nickel but couple backup d linemen yeah, yeah i mean yeah. a few of those right i mean just to to have a few snaps off but it's they, not this deep of a yeah. rotation yeah they went from like 14 to like playing 20 sometimes right yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it, you you have guys that it's like hey he contributed a little bit well yeah if it's if it's 12 snaps a game and you get three plays out of him like that's a pretty good batting average so yeah. i think some of it's that um and there's probably an argument. Done a good job. There's probably just finding guys that can help. There's probably an argument to be made of like developing guys by giving them those snaps. Yeah. Like how are you going to develop by just sitting there? Right. Right. And when it's this kind of on-off switch, I mean, and you're not getting the work in practice because during the season you're just not going to have the time because the ones are getting ready and you you have the scout team kind of helping them out. But yeah. if you're a, a two, you're not on the scout team probably in most cases, and you're not getting the reps with the ones, so you're kind of caught in the middle. Um, if they're working on different things in smaller roles, that maybe does help developmentally a little bit. I remember Josh Metellus this summer talking about how like, I always knew I knew my job because everybody was asking, like, how do you know all these different roles and playing linebacker, safety, slot? And he was like, I always knew I, I could had a grasp on the entire defense. It was just a matter of could I play at this level? Like, I didn't, He's like, I didn't have the confidence that I could play at this level. And he talked about his first start last year, and it was because Harrison Smith went down – I'm trying to remember what his injury was, but it was against Detroit and Josh made the game ceiling interception at the end of that game. And and that was when he said, that's when I finally had the confidence. Like, so like no matter how prepared these guys are or, or what, they don't know until they get into the game, whether or not they can even, you know, have the confidence that, yes, I can do this. And so I think of a, Think of a guy like um, like him under Donatel, where yeah, he he had no shot in a sub package role to build that confidence. You needed Harrison to go down. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes it does take that. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, you hear athletes talk about this all the time, and, and people probably say, "Well, these guys are professional football players. Yeah. Do they lack for confidence?" Like on a general level, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this is the best of the best of the best. I mean, even the fifty third guy on the roster is exponentially better than most of the guys who play D1 college football. So there is such a talent difference at this level that, I mean, you're looking around and saying everybody's good, and the margin for error is so small that it. I can see where that would eat into your confidence a little bit, where it's just that little bit of doubt of well, okay, can I be a fraction of a second faster? Can I be a, a decimal point more forceful than somebody? I mean, however you want to measure it, but yeah, it's it's a lot of those little margins and the lack of confidence or the that just little seed of doubt. I can see where that would come in. So having those opportunities, like you said, yeah. is big. 
Yeah. Um, and along the Flores line, uh, Steve asked about Flores' style of play here in, in the Broncos game and saying that um, it seemed like the Broncos knew that throwing quick passes near the line or behind the line would generate good yardage. Why doesn't Brian Flores make some changes, even if subtle, to limit those when it happens. I talked about this yesterday, didn't he? Over and over, yeah. Um, trying to remember the context of the question, but defending, he got asked about defending checkdowns. I right. think, yeah, and it yeah led to a decent answer about yeah. just his philosophy of right defending top down. Yeah, we could go on high to low, and he basically I think said if people want to throw checkdowns, mm-hmm. we'll rally the ball and make the tackles. I mean, the idea that you're going to be able to defend every inch of the field against offenses that like to spread horizontally more and more i mean that's not a realistic proposition so the thought process with whether it's this or even you know the vic fangio type stuff that we saw last year is if you want to take four yard passes go ahead we'll give you those we're not going to give you the shots over the top or not even have the time to throw deep crossers that a lot of the offenses including this one like to use so um i think that's a little bit of it what's the philosophy of defending checkdowns is the question he got asked it's well we'll we'll give those in a I, lot of cases and just not let them turn into run after the i think he said we'll tackle them yep. <laughs> he basically didn't say like we're gonna try and cover them just no we'll tackle them we'll we'll give it up and tackle them and you could tell how they align pre-snap with corners generally playing more yes. off Maybe that's a product of that, which they, sort of surprised me to, yeah. to jump in. I I thought we'd see a little more press man stuff yeah. than we have. And I I wonder if we'll ever you know if we could get and because there's only so much truth that comes out of these media on the record sessions. But um, I, I do wonder how much of that is the personnel versus the preferred style. How much how much of it is he doesn't trust that we've got locked down corners. Yeah, that could be. You know, we meaning him thinking this. Yes. Um, Xavier Howard is not here. Yeah, right? Like, we don't have – yeah, yeah, we don't have guys that are always going to be locked down, so we need to play off and tackle yeah. as opposed to cover tight in a Keenan Allen, you know, five to ten yards. Yeah, I mean, when I talked with uh, Lance Bennett, Brian Flores is longtime uh, – well, number one, his close friend and longtime member of his staff – about his philosophy on defense and story I did before the season, he the phrase he used was "What's in the cupboard?" Kind of oh. if you grow up in the situation that he did in, in rough neighborhoods and in poverty, it's like we got to find a way to make a meal. If we don't have great things to have all the time, it's we got to figure out how to make a great meal out of this and make it work and just move on to the next day and and thrive in spite of. Mm-hmm. Of maybe a lack of resources at times. Sometimes Jonathan Bullard's got to make dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's some of that, I think, to the way he goes about it yeah, and yeah. says, this is what I have, yeah. and how can I construct something that works with this? So, yeah, it, it maybe would look different with press corners, and then maybe some of that, you're not getting those underneath throws because they're not giving those as much, but um, that has its own risks too. And maybe philosophically, it's, yeah, we'll give you this, and you're not going to beat us deep. Yeah, I guess it also makes sense of why they spend so much time reteaching these young defensive backs how to tackle yeah. this offseason, knowing that we're going to play a type of shell off coverage and blitz the heck out of people to where there's just going to be a lot of balls thrown quickly and it's got to get rallied to and tackled uh, just as quickly. And for, for the most part, they've done a good job of that. I think you saw on Sunday night, uh, Russell Wilson pick his spots to attack downfield. Yeah. The Cortland Sutton 33-yarder, that was an incredible catch. 
uh, before the game winner incredible catch that he made. Um, there were just, yeah, there were a lot of times where you saw them get taken advantage of in coverage where you're like, I could see why he wouldn't want to test those guys too much. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's a young group too. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of guys that they didn't know if they could play coming in. So when you're installing this thing, you're not going to leave those guys on an Island just on a philosophical level. Josh wants to know what's the lack, what's with the lack of designed rollouts with Josh Dobbs. The two I remembered on Sunday night turned into his insane broken tackle and touched Bob Dobbs dropbacks to to Josh Oliver, and the other one was a two yard gain that he turned from almost a certain loss. Um, I well, I think he kind of answered it right there at the end. Like the the Broncos seem to play kind of that five wide attack the edges, yeah. Kind of defense Couldn't where, do the Bob Dobbs bootlegs. where the Vikings tried to run in the middle of it and tried to try to get some room there. And the the one rollout that he mentioned, I do remember Dobbs doing his thing where like he makes guys miss and cre- yeah, he created two yards, but you don't want to live like that. No, you don't. And, and, and if you're getting attacked on the edges and the Broncos are showing early that we're going to cut them off. Yeah. The, the red zone one worked. I think it worked in part because if I remember correctly, I think the Broncos blitzed. They were sending more pressure in the red zone. So maybe you could get out easier the one where he scored um, the touchdown you're saying yeah yeah i think they were maybe in man too so oh, okay. i think they yeah. i think they did send pressure but there was also i think alex singleton was on madison and that route t- kind of took him out of the middle of the field so dobbs was like okay let's go up the middle yeah and so i think they worked in some spots but i don't know what did you think about just their usage of him and because it seems to be they still want to lean on the run and play action that is their bread and butter um, but while changing it to try to use his mobility. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that's going to be interesting to watch is if teams play them like the Broncos did, because we've seen this in the past. The, the Packers have done this. They used to do this probably a few years ago more so, but the, you know they would sort of say, we're going to rush the edges because we don't want Kirk Cousins on bootlegs. It's yeah. not that he's going to take off and run, but as uh, – as Mike Zimmer famously said in the introductory press conference, Kirk was good in the boots. Yeah. So yeah, he was the thing there was we'll let Dalvin cook run. Yeah. We don't want Kirk on the edge where he can make a throw down field off of some of those bootlegs that he likes to run. So if they're going to play that way and say, we're going to make you play in the pocket, it does make it more difficult. I think because we do see him like to press the edge. Yeah. Um, can he move in the pocket? Can he move up the middle? There's probably some plays there, but you also just need him to, I think, play a little more precisely, a little more... Less recklessly, a little bit? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, more I mean, accurately, certainly, and w- maybe more in timing. Wes Phillips talked about how you don't want to coach out the improvisation. Yeah. However, you can't let have... He's like, he called him a magician is like of what he's been able to do, but you can't keep expecting... You don't want to live like that. Yeah, you can't keep expecting magic. And so the amount of times he he did like a full 360 in the pocket. I know. And, and he like, spins the wrong way. It's like, how in the world? And he like doesn't see anywhere to go, so he just kind of does this pirouette and then just stands there. Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is not coached. Yeah. It's not what you want. You don't the want touchdown to... was absurd. Yeah. The one he threw to Oliver. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Like that's the level of leg strength and ankle flexion he had to like basically kind of squat and shrug the guy off and then reset and Okay, touchdowns there. It was, and then he got drilled at the end of the play too. And so, in the question, that's what Josh is asking about: like, why are they not rolling him out more? Maybe it's because, well, one, the way the Broncos are playing, I think maybe has something to do with it. But two, maybe it has something to do with the fact that this guy is going to uh, get out of the pocket anyway. Yeah. You know, in, in improv, we don't necessarily need to play like that. Where with Kirk, you did that to get him away from the rush yes. because you kind of needed to coach that. Yep. That athleticism. You had to help him. That to do movement. That. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, whereas with Josh, it's like, no, you know, it's, it's almost like a pinball more. So you just need to try to make sure he fires out the yeah. right way. <laughs> well, and I, I think the value in doing it, if you did want to design it is you have the ability to wear defenses out, chasing him around a little bit. I think, um, just if defensive linemen have to chase after him all day, I could see that being something you can use to just wear out a defense and, and, have a group that's fatigued trying to stop the run in the fourth quarter trying to chase him in the fourth quarter um still though that is a you're making that investment on the belief that your quarterback can handle the pounding and so far he has shown that he can but you probably don't want to live that way when you have not caught lightning in a bottle but they've gone two and one without a quarterback that hadn't missed a game because of injury in his entire career so to not have your season just completely veer off course is a pretty rare thing. So I don't think they want to temper with that too much. Um, and Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings did design some rollout movement for Josh Dobbs yeah. early in the game on a third and one where they decide to have TJ Hawkinson take a snap yes. and pitch it to him. And then that actually set up – that was a horrific play, right? Obviously it doesn't get flagged with the hit, yep. um, the fumble. All of it was just bad. Um, but later it was in the red zone. There was an eight yard direct snap to Madison. Yep. That play was setting up that play. Yep. Cause it was the same thing where Dobbs went out to the edge. Madison faked a pitch, but instead kept it and ran yeah. up the middle for eight yards in the red zone where Madison was not gaining eight yards. Typically. It, this was the one where it looked like he was not just a pitch. He looked like he was set up to throw it. Which one? Oh, Josh was? Uh, no, I think Madison was. Maybe we're talking about the same play. I, there was one that it looked to me like he took it and was like setting up almost like a quarterback. Oh, I don't remember that. Um, the, the one I'm talking about was he – Where he, was it to his left to throw it? Yes. Yeah, that's Dobbs. He was throwing it to Dobbs, yep. pretending to throw it yes. to Dobbs, and yes. then kept it and ran. Yep. So that was set up because they had shown earlier we will give it to Josh yep. on the perimeter. And so I, they were – Clearly, they were setting that up for later. Use playing off that play, even though it went horrifically first. Yeah. They still faked the motion and, and faked the action of like we're going to throw it to Dobbs on the perimeter. Did um, you think that was a fake, or did you think he had the option to throw it there? Because it I almost was, looked to me like he was reading it. But I pray to God that was a fake. I, <laughs> if you give if you give Alex the option, Alex, when we asked him, "Hey, are you the Wildcat op, or are you the emergency quarterback option?" He had the look of like Magic Johnson quitting the Lakers. Like, ah, no, yeah, I'm not going to be here yeah. much longer. No, like <laughs> he. he was like no please no if that's jj he has a better arm or yeah, something he like does that. Have a good arm we've seen i don't that. think alex has the confidence to i don't think they'd put him in that yeah. spot now don't tell the opponents that because they want to think that that's right. a fake um and again maybe i'm wrong maybe but he set his feet well enough that it was maybe somewhat they, convincing maybe i'm wrong maybe yeah. they give him the option to throw yeah, it there I i'm think not that, sure i think that'd be a bad idea i think it would too but <laughs> you know they've uh they've been willing to to do some unconventional things. Let's put it that That's way. That's true. Let's end on this. Uh, Moose asks about somebody named Moose asks about, is Lewis seen ever going to crack the lineup? You talked to Lewis seen. So I'll set you up on a tee here. What, what did uh, he have to say? Well, I mean, he, he said the, the directive from coaches and from Quasi has been to stay patient. So it didn't seem like he feels like it's uh, imminent necessarily. I mean, he, I think he said my time is coming, but it didn't seem like he's expecting to be in there tomorrow. I mean, he talked a lot about, I've handled it like a professional. I'm not sitting here complaining. I'm not, you know, trying to request my way out of here or anything like that. I'm, I'm taking it and learning. But 
I do think it's probably a little ways off yet. Um, they like the safeties they have. I mean, obviously, Metellus is is an every-down player. So, I mean, basically, their base now is a three-safety nickel. It's yeah. Metellus, Bynum, Smith on every play. Um, and Theo Jackson certainly has, has been a big part of it as well here. So um, I don't get the sense it's that close. Um, I think they are still trying to have him show them that he – understands all of the fundamentals of the defense and just the the scheme and making calls and and all those types of things that you have to do in that position i think that's still part of it so um you know it some of its injuries from last year that take away some of his time i I think he said he feels he said he feels physically fine but it's just getting back into to the basics of playing football but it's also i think a lot of it is the the scheme, it's its three coordinators in three years, as he pointed out, going back to Georgia. and um, Didn't seem like last year with Ed Donatel was ever a great fit. So whatever momentum you can build from last year to this year, not necessarily with Flores, obviously, but with the organization and just showing that, hey, yeah, I'm ready to go and, and have an every down spot. He didn't really get the opportunity to do that last year. So I think that's still some of it. I, I don't feel like it's like he's going to burst into the lineup at the end of this year, but you know, the future at that position is very much up in the air, yeah. depending on what happens with Harrison Smith. So we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, it, he's just got to get on the field for special teams. Yep. Like yep. that's, that's the thing. If, if Matt, Matt Daniels on special teams can't use you and you're yeah. a first round pick, like what's going on with, and he's certainly athletic enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've seen that. Yep. So I, I just think there's a lot, it's gotta be a lot there where they, the trust issues between the coaching staff and him and not even, you know, making him a healthy scratch yeah. now five times yeah. since his hamstring injury earlier this year. Um, it's it's not a good sign for him, but uh, yeah, like you said, there's a lot in flux with the veterans on this team, and and certainly he's under contract for two more yeah, years at, at least with the Vikings. So, uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com, and we will talk to you next time from Monday night at US Bank Stadium.